you know, as we were just talking, as Pete was just talking, we're a church that believes that God is a missionary God. He sent his only begotten son, and the Holy Spirit uh, sends us out into the world. So we sent four of our best up there to Kenya, but uh, we strongly believe, we believe it with all of our hearts, that one of the things that makes this church unique is we're always sending everybody every week out into uh, your neighborhoods and to your workplace. Man, the marketplace is a dynamic place to make a difference, um, but into every aspect of the city. And um, one of the ways that we do that is through really dynamic small groups. So as you're coming in and you're growing, you know, what a difference it makes Jesus being in your life, right? And as Jesus is growing in your life, the best way to experience that is certainly being here on Sundays, but it, it's very nice to experience what we read in Acts 242, where your lives are flowing through one another's households and where the Holy Spirit's flowing through a group's lives into making him known. And that's why we believe so much in home groups or small groups. And one of the cool parts about this morning is we invite um, Patrick's going to come up first, and then it's going to be James, is those two are co-leaders of a small group. And so it's James and Katie, it's Patrick and Melody. It's a great small group. A few weeks ago, they gathered everybody at a park. They had like 45 people that showed up. And there are a lot of great small groups, so we could do this kind of sharing. But sometimes people say, if you have such a dynamic church filled with leaders, when will they get enough time to share? Because there's only one pulpit. But we just don't believe that. We believe that we're all sent out into a day-in, day-out way of incarnating and demonstrating who Jesus is. So... As these guys come together, I'm going to pray and then invite up Patrick. But I would say, open your hearts to them. It's a chance to get to know them. God will speak to us through them. But then also, it really ties you in with being able to pray and know and support what one of the small groups is doing, as well as just being excited about all of the great young leaders that God has given us and will give us. And if we're faithful with those guys, guess what? We get more. So let's pray for them, and then I'm going to ask Patrick to come up. Jesus, thank you for Patrick and James. Thank you for the way that their friendship has been a characteristic of the calling that you have on their lives. And we just pray that we would both encourage that and we pray that we would receive from that. And Lord, we know the way you work is as we receive from it, it gets encouraged. So Lord, I pray that you would give them clarity of heart and help them to feel very comfortable and then just to share what you've put in them. In Jesus' name. You guys know Patrick. Patrick's from Mobile, Alabama, but he is more than that. He is Palestinian, French, Canadian, Tennessean. And that mixture gives you exactly this. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, I, was, I grew up in Mobile. Uh, Charles Simpson was the pastor of the church that I went to. My dad was the worship leader for a little bit. And there's this one recording I ran across one time. Uh, it was in, a recording from 1985, the year I was born. And uh, Charles Simpson says, hey, we want to congratulate Keith Curry. He's not here today on the birth of his first son. And then let's go ahead and move into worship. And Chris Hyatt, will you come lead worship for us? So Chris has known me for a long time. Um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to do this. I really hope that the Lord um, does what he wants to do. I think the thing that I'm going to be talking about is ownership we don't belong to ourselves, and I'm going to make a case for how that happens and then what that means. Um, when I was a young teenager, I, uh, we had summer camps. It's where I met Melody at one of the Camp of Champions that Chris started and, and Jamie led for a long time. But I'd gone through the ups and downs of summer camps, right? You go to summer camp, you meet Jesus, you go back home, 
and you go to high school, and then you come back and you meet Jesus again, and you know, it just happens again. After like two or three years of doing that, I decided I was out. I'm, I'm, I wasn't into that. I wasn't into the ups and downs, and if this is what God's like, I'm out. Um, it's not interesting to me to uh, not be consistent. And so one night at the Bluebird Chapel in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, I was sitting in the back of the chapel, and they you know, did worship and preaching and the altar call and everything that they normally did. And I was sitting back there, very fine with my choice, like, this isn't for me, I'm okay. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, listen, if you give yourself to me tonight, you will be mine always. And he understood my heart in that and my frustration with the fact that it wasn't sticking. But he made a promise to me in that, that if I committed to him, that he wouldn't let me go. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Not even yourself. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So it's like if you had a chance at Jesus, there's no chance you'd get, a, get us from the Father. I and the Father are one. So that was kind of one of the beginning experiences that I had with Jesus. And, and it's, he's been true to that word to me. Um, I got baptized in San Antonio a week before our wedding. Uh, I stood in front of our little home church in Randy Cottingham's house. And I tried to read Romans 6. It was mostly just a blubbering mess. Um, uh, I get emotional sometimes when I feel like the Lord's moving and I can't do anything except cry. And many of you have seen that before. But my heart was in what I was reading. And I believe the Father was in what I was trying to read. And these, these were times that I was marked by God for God. And as we moved from San Antonio to here in 2015, um, I went through, I don't, you know, Melly would probably agree for her, a massive season of rerouting, retooling, a deep and painful rewiring. It was another season of being marked, set aside, and changed for purposes, not my own. And most of what I'm sharing from all of this comes from my heart and experience of these times. And it's a way of living that I've found to be actually really practical, really enjoyable, and benefits most people involved. So while it is painful, it's really, really good. The last three or four years, I could tell you several stories where the Lord has spoken to us and led us into things that we didn't plan, we didn't choose. This was not our idea. And he said, go do this. And it required, along the way, us to wrestle to get to the point where we had to be wholehearted in what he was leading us to do. We couldn't just say, okay, we're obeying. We had to embrace it fully. So that's where I'm coming from. Um, I want to go to some scriptures because if we belong to God, right, I want to see how do we belong to God. But first, what does God say about us belonging to him? So here's a list of scriptures. Exodus 34, 14. Start in the Old Testament, move to the New. You shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He desires us. And in Exodus, God constantly refers to the Hebrews as my people. You know the phrase, let my people go. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. Psalm 95, 7, he is our God and what? We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Acts 20, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's a purchasing. That's part of how it happens as we become his. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, this is as clear as it gets. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. 
You can't argue with that one. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died. Your life is where now? Hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. There's something about that where it's like, our life is hidden. We haven't yet appeared. So we're discovering this process as we go with him. And then two out of First Peter. First Peter 1, 17, 19. And if you call him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. That's here. Knowing that you were ransomed, again purchased, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So this is describing the purchase exchange and how that's actually happening, how we are becoming his. And then 1 Peter 2.9 is also very clear. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. He actually uses the word possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I know it seems like I'm trying to belabor this point of like us becoming his, but I really think if we are his and we believe that, then there are implications that come with that. So what does that actually mean? That's why I spend a lot of time because we first have to decide if we are going to belong to him, right? That's a choice that we have. And I know in this day and age, we like to think of ourselves as sovereign individuals, the captains of our own fates, independent, autonomous, self-determining beings who are free, who are also going to heaven when we die. So we get, we get to do whatever we want and we get to go to heaven when we die. That's what we like to think. We can do whatever we want. We change ourselves to be better, happier, and more satisfied. We change our two-line Twitter bios. We change your hair which I used to do a lot before I lost it all. We change our friends, our homes, our cars, our genders, our orientations, our spouses, our living situations, our work situations, all of it and any of it. But none of it matters. None of it brings you closer to yourself, who you're created or meant to be. And for sure, none of those things bring you closer to the kingdom, to contentment, to happiness, to your purpose, your destiny, or your father. We are not our own. We are not sovereign beings. God calls us his creation, his sheep, his children, his servants, his followers, his disciples, his beloved, and amazingly, he calls us his friends. That's a lot of things. But with all of those things, the most important to me is that we're his. So how do we become his? So, okay, we belong to him. We're buying into that. But what's the process? And this is a bit long. It's Romans 6, again. But... I think this is important because we have to understand the depths and the intensity at which we become his and the fullness and the breadth of that. It's not a piece of us, it's all of us. So Romans 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. 
For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. And so when you die, everything goes. It's not like you die and a part of you still remains. All of your preferences die. Your dreams and desires and good ideas and personality and Enneagram type and religious belief die. All of it. The only thing that remains is the life of Christ in you. These other things are the things that can eclipse the life of Christ in us. If we hold too strongly to those things, it precludes the life of Christ from flowing through us. Let's get back to Romans 6, 16 to 18. For you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. We are not sovereign beings. But thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, becoming slaves of righteousness. And I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And so that... Oh, let's go to the Jesus thing, and then I'll speak on that. So two quotes from Jesus. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Remember, the cross is for crucifixion. And unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it bears no fruit. Jesus isn't interested in preserving us as we are, or making us better versions of ourselves, or improving who we think we are, or who we should be, or who we could become. He's literally interested in crucifying us. I know this is graphic, but as in killing us. You know the wondrous cross song where it's like, I bid you come and die. Find that I may, that you may truly live. And it's so that he can resurrect and transform us into something completely different altogether. And then Romans 7. You have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit to God. So we died to belong to another. And so as we, you met Jesus and you went through that process, Everything changed. Everything died. So you don't get to have preferences about your life. And this is, again, me speaking out of my experience, what I've seen for us. We don't get to have preferences about our lives. You know, you might like Saturdays off. That's not up to you. You might like to work for a better boss. That's not up to you. You might like to live in a house instead of an apartment. It's not up to you. You might think that you're really, really smart, and so people should treat you a certain way. It's not up to you. All of these things, all these preferences that we have, if we want worship to be like this, or we want the speaker to be like, it's not up to you. You don't belong to yourself, and you don't get to decide how all of that goes. I know, that I'm, I know this isn't like funny or entertaining, but I really hope the Holy Spirit's like doing something in, in all of us with this. And I think there are two uh, points to make about belonging to him. One is what I just said, you don't get to define those things, your reputation. And I've had to go through several things where I feel like my reputation is being destroyed. And you can't do anything about it. But I don't have to, because it belongs to him. And he will take care of those things. So our self-choosers are broken and dead, but it's okay. We don't need those things anymore. We don't need to self-define anymore. We're free to be slaves of righteousness, to then obey into whatever he has for us. The other thing about that, though, is you don't have to worry about the outcome. Because if he says, this is what I want for you, then you just get to do it. 
You don't have to be fearful about how it turns out or if it's going to fail or if it's going to be successful or if your house looks nice. Like if he says live here, you get to just do it and enjoy it and be free because you know you belong to him and he will take care of you in that. Remember Abraham, how could he just go? How? To nowhere in particular. Because it didn't matter to him what happened after that. His job was obedience, the inputs. And the result, the outcome, belonged to God. It wasn't Abraham's business or concern. And this is the same with us. Our only task at this time is obedience. So if we, get to, if we are doing the work to be surrendered to God, he will open the doors and put us in situations and give us opportunities or directives that we didn't come up with. Our life no longer originates with us. We don't control our businesses. We don't make decisions about how those things we go. We look to him and he guides us. You don't get to do what, you don't get to decide what you do or how your life looks. Your reputation belongs to him and he will make you what he wants you to be. I'm almost done. I am not advocating for a resigned, complacent, robotic life where you don't challenge the things around you or live wholeheartedly where you are. I'm actually advocating for intense scrutiny of our motivations, desires, and thoughts. And all that which proceeds from the heart of God can stay, and anything that doesn't should be disregarded, crucified, regarded as not important. And if you're still under any illusions, which sometimes we are, we don't actually know what's good for us. So if you thought about situations where you really think this is the best strategic plan for my life, if that was to work out, you would be in a worse place than where you are now where he has you. And so understanding that he's a good father who's bringing you into his goodness and the fullness of what that is, so many times I think some, we fight him and his will for us as opposed to fighting the true battles of obedience and spiritual warfare where we could be going. All right, so these are the questions I leave you with as I end. Whose are you? Whose do you belong to? And really sit on that. And let it go all the way, because it's all the way. Death is everything. It takes all of us. Number two, which preferences do you have that are taking a higher priority than God's voice and desire for you? Number three, which inputs is God leading you to practice, or which outputs are worrying you? Because they belong to him. If he's leading you to do them, you belong to him. You're a slave to righteousness. Number four, what or who are you presenting yourself to as an obedient slave? So what kinds of things are you giving your heart, your time, your mind to? And number five, and I just think, you know, choose one of these and whatever the Holy Spirit would say. What's the Holy Spirit stirring in you right now? And what's he saying to you that requires a response of obedience? Because you belong to him. Thank you. That's great. James is going to try to come and bum rush the stage so he can go right up. But we're going to give James as much time as he needs. Um, He's taking my time. Hold on. Yeah, I am. Uh, first of all, thank you, Patrick. You know, one of the things that you can tell about a people is how, what God thinks of them by the kinds of leaders that he brings. And uh, we were really blessed as God gave us Patrick and Melody. And there's a lot in them. And so it's great that it gets poured out to us.